You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or 7 p.m. Psalm 77 is retelling again, again, of the Israelites being freed from captivity. They were slaves for hundreds of years and they got freed by the miraculous power of God. This is the foundational moment of the people of Israel. God's special people weren't really anything until they were freed. You know, there are stories about the people beforehand. There are stories about Abraham and other patriarchs, um, Isaac, Jacob, these people you've heard of. They existed, this tribe of people, um, this family system, existed before Israel was in captivity in Egypt. But it wasn't really until then that they had this identity. And they, they hadn't really written much down before then either. So Exodus 15 is, is the original telling of God freeing the Israelites, the, the power of God's mighty right hand splits the sea and they walk through on dry ground and they don't leave out the other part. And then God crushed Israel's enemies and the water drowned all the horses and chariots of the Egyptians. This is their song of victory in Exodus 15. And here, hundreds of years later, in Psalm 77, they're telling the story again. They don't stop telling this story. If y'all didn't know, it's Jewish holiday season is kicking off here. Today is the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the, the Jewish New Year. Soon comes Yom Kippur, and soon enough it'll be Passover, and Charlton Heston will be on TV again. <laughs> you know? Because the story has persisted. This story of God's saving miracle has defined these people for centuries, ever since this happened. And, and those who follow Jesus, who he was part of that tribe, take this story in as part of their story, too. And the, the telling of that story says something about my God, too. My God is the one that saves people, that liberates people, that makes a way where there was no way. In my day of trouble, what am I going to do? I'm going to remember. And this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk for a little bit here. This is a new idea that we're doing here in the meeting. I will remember the works of the Lord. Remember when the waters saw God and there was a sound and we walked through the Red Sea. I wasn't there, but I remember. This is who God is. This is the story I'm going to tell. Yo, there's trouble. In my day of trouble, I know about trouble. But let me remember. This is the antidote to the trouble. It's not the end of the current trouble. It's remembering who God is and what God has done. That's what they do. They do it over and over and over again. All throughout the Psalms. Look, I, I didn't do the math. I didn't do like the research to tell you exactly how many times. But throughout the book of Psalms, which is the Hebrew prayer book, there are dozens of references 
to the liberation of their people. And the Red Sea even is in there, tons. Because this was amazing. So, getting down to your moment right now, your day of trouble. Your day of trouble is today. Every day has enough trouble of its own. We know this. And we want to figure out, like I was saying earlier, how am I going to be rooted enough to get through this day of trouble? There's a new day. It's September 9th, and there's trouble. And you guys all have your own. You have your, your trouble. I have trouble right now because Scott's phone <laughs> won't shut up. And he, this is his day of trouble because technology is plaguing him. I, 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 I feel it. I feel it. I feel I, I was I was up here last week, and someone called me, and my phone was was not on silent <laughs> in the morning. I was like, "Oh, well, that's me." A reminder. So yeah, the, I mean, little trouble like that, not a big deal. Scott, everyone loves you, of course, um, but big trouble too. You know, we're dealing with lots of stuff, and uh, we want to figure out. Well, what's the point of like coming to this meeting? I'm going to ask this point blank. What's Jesus going to do about it? What, what's the point of, of trying to connect, of having these roots, of being deep, you know? What is the point? What's Jesus going to do about it? And I don't think it's actually that crazy. Or like, it's not, I don't think he's going to split the Red Sea for you tomorrow. He might. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to walk through something that can't be walked through. Um, but what I, what I want to suggest to you is remembering. He, he gives you a place in a tribe of people who remember who God is. Even this tribe right here, this meeting, we're remembering what God does. Gets you connected with them and helps you through. Helps you to change your perspective. You're allowed to do that. You know that? You're allowed to change your mind about your circumstances? I... I was having an argument with someone about this because they, they said that how I was changing my mind was just a denial, was just a changing the, the, the facts about a situation. Well, you know what? Damn the facts. Damn the facts when it comes to my story about my life. Because you don't even, you're, the story of your life, what you remember isn't even your memory. It, it's not actually the thing. Your brain is putting together like impulses and sensations and uh, you know, little images, flashes, and it's so easily changed. Do you know this? Scientists have studied this. I can, I can implant a memory in you, like, no problem. I mean, I can't. I'm not a, a scientist that did this. But they can, so, they can so change what you believe to be true. Like, um, this, this was a fun one that I just heard on the radio the other day. Just how, how influent, influenceable, is that a word? Influential. No, but influenceable. You are susceptible to influence. I made this up, probably. It's a, it's a, it's a word now. They had, they had, this was the study they did. They had people um, list, uh, speak a bunch of words into a microphone, and, and they recorded these words. And then they, they played it back for them, but they also mixed in words that other people said. Like, the same word, like, I got dance. Say um, moon tooth. Moon tooth. Drew, say moon tooth. Moon tooth. Okay, so they had this recording, and they, along with a bunch of other words, they threw in Drew's um, saying of moon tooth. You were you said glasses and mustache and 
shoes and pants and then Moontooth, but it was Drew saying Moontooth. Our, our ability to tell whether it was our voice or someone else's voice in that circumstance, borderline chance, like 50-50, if we're going to say that was me or it wasn't. This was a person that, that was talking about uh, just the, 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 the unconscious mind and how, how susceptible it is to change. You know, we really think we're something, but we're really just a, a loosely held together a bag of emotions and uh, reactions. You know, we, we really aren't that firm in who we are, even. So our memories can be what we want them to be. We don't have to lie to ourselves, but we can choose the stories that we're going to tell. I'm going to tell the story about God walking through the Red Sea every day. You can change your stories about other things, too. Uh, and here's an example. The year is 2005. The day is July 16th the day that I married Gwyneth White. Her name was Gwyneth Elizabeth Duncan then. And then she changed her name accidentally to Gwyneth Duncan White. The Social Security um, Department is tricky. If you want to change your name, Kendra, when you guys get married, uh, like, uh, it's hard, do it right. Or you'll be <laughs> Gwyneth Duncan White forever. Um, uh, so anyways, this we were getting married, and it was July, it was super hot, uh, we were trying to have a, um, the hotness doesn't matter that much for my story. Well, really, well, I, it could, actually, it could really matter. I could say, why the hell did I get married in July? That was the stupidest decision of my life. July 16th, of course it's hot, and there, were, well, there wasn't any air conditioning in, in the church. So, why, of course, I'm as sweaty as I'll get out. I, my marriage sucks. <laughs> very easy to have that story. The story's very easy to have. But here's another, I've never thought about it, having that one. I, I, didn't, I didn't care about the heat, it was lots of fun. My friends played music and um, it was lovely. I walked down the, the, uh, the aisle to uh, a Donovan song from Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. It was glorious. Um, Y'all know about Brother, Son, Sister, Moon? Oh yeah. Franco Zeffirelli, great film. Totally hippie-dippie crap, but <laughs> excellent. Anyway. Um, so the story that I that I have decided to tell is, uh, we had we we so we did everything on the cheap. We had an unair un conditioned wedding, etc. But but then we had we we wanted to have this kind of fancy um, reception. And we went to the Art Alliance of Philadelphia, which is on Rittenhouse Square. Y'all know about Rittenhouse Square? Kind of fancy. And by going to the fancy building, um, it was in our price range for like the hourly rental. But then they slip in that you have to have their caterer. And so we're trying to cut all kinds of corners with this fancy-ass caterer. And we, we, we're, 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 we're having trouble. We're butting heads with the caterer. He's like, no, you have to do, you can't, you have to have a bar. You have to have a bar. Like, no, we're not paying for that much alcohol. It's not happening. We don't have that much money. Um, and then, but we also have the idea that the wedding was at 1.30. So we're going to have the, this, like, kind of cocktail party without cocktails. <laughs> but just, like, heavy hors d'oeuvres at the Art Alliance. That was the idea. And so we wouldn't have to give people actual dinner. Our idea was like little plates of things, little bite-sized plates. We didn't want anything like bust around by waiters either because um, that would cost too much money. We don't need staff. They can just go to the, you know, spread some tables around. There's art to look at. It's really nice. 
Um, but it's a super, okay, I guess the super hotness of the day actually matters because super hot day, they get there and there's nothing to drink. This caterer had, had insisted that he be allowed to set up a cash bar. You know, okay, you, I won't pay for alcohol, but your guests can pay for alcohol. I gotta do it or I'm not gonna make any money. Let me do this. But we had paid for him to give our guests lemonade and water, but no one gave it to them. So they were, they were paying for like soda pop just to wet their whistle on July 16th, the hottest day in 2005. And uh, it was really mad. I was really mad about this. And, and also, the plates that they had were huge. Like the actual plates. They were like these giant platters of plates. We have a picture of Gwyneth in her white dress, like holding a plate against her, her, her corset, essentially, you know, trying to eat, you know, because he served this, like, buffet. Like some lasagna. Like, what is this? This isn't what I wanted. You know, like, so the, the option for history is to hate that man with all of my existence. The most important thing about my wedding could be this guy screwed me, you know? And he screwed me pretty bad. I paid a lot of money to him. I didn't want to pay any money to him, and he didn't give me what I wanted. And he made my guests buy stuff. The whole thing didn't work the way I wanted it to. But I'll tell you what, I decided on July 16, 2005, not to let that be the story of my wedding. Uh, and Gwyneth disputes that I came up with it on that day, but I'm gonna tell the story that on that day, <laughs> I decided not to hate this man. And you know what? I don't even know that guy's name. I don't know the guy's name. 13 years later, I seriously don't know that guy's name. I told this story this morning, and Gwyneth was uh, asking, was trying to remember herself. I actually, you know, in my storytelling, I, I erased it not only from my own memory, but from Gwyneth, who really wanted to hold on to this resentment. She's much better at resentment than I am. And she couldn't do it. She couldn't remember the guy's name because we had changed the story. It was a lovely day. It was in this cool art place. And it was like on multiple floors. Like we were, you know, we were on the landing with our cake and there were toasts and people were gathered on this like magnificent stairway. And I, when I left, I swooped Gwyneth up and I, I walked down the stairs and bubbles were coming down on us. And I'm sure that I did like a full 360 twirl while holding her. It was, it was fantastic. There was nothing wrong with that day. It, I seriously had tons of fun. Um, and despite all of our iconoclastic wedding ideas about tr figuring out how to save money, um, uh, the day worked out just fine. You're allowed to tell your story, y'all. And you can, you can dispute it with me later. You're going to get a chance to talk soon. And you could say, um, I think that's BS. I think, you, I think you're just not telling the truth. But then I'd ask you, I'm having, I'm having an argument with you if you're, if you're having this thought. What do you gain from the truth in this circumstance? What does the truth get you? Why do I have to be true to my resentment? Why do I have to be true to how much of a jerk this guy was? Why does he get to be a part of my story at all? He really, I mean, he matters as a human being. God loves him. I don't. <laughs> and I don't need to, you know? I, I'd love to meet him in another circumstance, and I don't remember his name, so I will love him. Because that's my, that's my vocation. The, our commitment to what exactly happened, I don't know where that comes from. I know, I really don't. And you, maybe, maybe you have ideas about that. I'm not going to parse it out right now. You can tell us about it in a minute. Like I said, you're going to get a chance to talk soon. Jesus 
gets at this, I think, when he's talking about in Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. And a healthy eye fills the body with light. But an unhealthy eye fills the body with darkness. And if the darkness is inside you, how great is that darkness? Remember we're talking about our roots. We're talking about the reality of our depth. And if your depth is dark, if you go down there sometimes to the basement of who you are and the light never gets turned on, there are roaches and spiders and all kinds of rot. You gotta be all the way up and down your whole person. And you want the light to get in. And you want this healthy eye to be filling your whole self with that fullness of God, that sustenance that helps you get through change, that helps you weather uh, moderate wedding disasters and also, you know, super big life changes. You need some, you need some healthy roots. I know I'm mixing my better force here. I've got an architectural metaphor going with the basement <laughs> and then I've also got uh, a rootedness one. Sorry. Actually, Paul does it in Ephesians too. Rooted and established in love. He's doing two different things. I'm not going to get into all the biblical metaphors. I'm stuck on Jesus in, in Matthew 6, where he's, he's talking about having healthy eyes, having a healthy lamp. And this word that gets translated as healthy and unhealthy has to do also with generous and stingy. If you have a generous eye, if you look at things as if they were okay, they probably will be. You can, you can look at this guy at my wedding as just some guy doing his job trying to make a buck or he's out to get you. And he, and he made a buck off of me. I have a choice. I have a choice about how I, how I, how I tell the story. I don't have to be subject to the dollars and cents of it. You know, I don't have to have a scrupulous accounting of what wronged me or what my reactions were. I'm free to, to make a choice. And I'm choosing this generous eye that Jesus calls us to. I want the lamp of my body to see the world with brightness. And, and, and I recommend it to you. I gave you an example of how I did it with this story at my wedding more complicated stories with more complex um, wrongs, more psychological uh, hurt, it's going to be harder to do. You know, a business transaction is easy to shine up with my, with my eye lamp, you know? But that's my prejudice. I've chosen it. I think when I chose to follow Jesus, I chose to have that kind of generous eye. Because he's teaching me about it in Matthew 6. He's saying, do this. This is, how, this is how you could see the world. So I'm choosing that. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.